Warning, by the time I finish this sentence, this podcast will already have started using words like fuck. This week's episode of The Scathing Atheist is brought to you by Adam and Eve and by the new medicine to help you get through the election year, Hibernol. It'll knock a motherfucker out for a full year so they can wake up next year and just be done with all that bullshit. Hibernol. Sure, you can take it yourself, but your Trump-loving aunt isn't watching her coffee that closely. And now, The Scathing Atheist. This is Drew from the Safety of Work podcast. I hate having to choose between literal and political correctness, so I'll just say that as a professor of science, I assure you that we did, in fact, evolve from filthy, open square brackets, monkey people, close square brackets. It's January 11th. And it's National Girl Hug Boy Day. Okay, we've got to stop letting Tarzan make holidays. That feels weird. <laughs> right? I'm no illusions. I'm Eli Bosnick. I'm Heath Enright. And from Judy Blooms, New Jersey, Ann Arbor, Michigan, Ooh, and Waycross, Georgia, nice. this is The Scathing Atheist. On this week's episode, American Atheists will find fancy words for it sucks right now. Mm-hmm. Donald Trump wonders if his tarot reading had a get-out-of-jail-free card in there. And we'll learn that poison doesn't even have to be a hairband to be bad. But first, the diatribe. As I said last week, the hardest theistic arguments to counter aren't the ones that argue that a god or gods are real. The fact that gods aren't real pretty much nails all of those arguments to the wall. The hardest ones instead are the arguments along the lines of, even if it's false, religion X still accomplishes thing Y and thing Y is beneficial. Now, you can make the argument that these kind of considerations don't matter. And if you don't want to, I'd be happy to make that argument on your behalf. Either religion is true or it isn't, and if it's a lie, being a useful lie doesn't rescue its social value. But if we want to refute religion culturally instead of just logically, we still have to reckon with those types of questions, right? So here's another one that I want to tackle this week, and it's probably the most popular pro-religious argument that you hear among learned folk. In fact, it's the one generally invoked if and when you go looking for the evolutionary root of religion, and that is, of course, that religion aids in societal cooperation. The shared beliefs and rituals of religion reinforce a sense of usness that encourages groups to work together to achieve goals that would otherwise be impossible. Religion is the glue that holds cultures together. And, and there's definitely truth in that. It, it almost certainly is the reason that humans around the world kept inventing and reinventing religion, but just because something evolved to do a job doesn't mean it does it well. The human eye evolved to see, but that didn't stop it from being upside down and backwards. These days, we can achieve the same amount of societal cohesion by eating at the same fast food places and watching the same movies. 
we don't really need an artificial system of usness the way our early hominid forebears might have. Of course, the more conservatives rebel against popular entertainment over culture war bullshit, the less we can count on that. But the same process weakens religion's ability to do that shit even more. So it's not like it's even a handy backup plan. But luckily, we already have a backup plan and it works better than religion ever did. And interestingly enough, it's the same thing that supplanted and surpassed religion in virtually every other field of human needs. Science. I mean, here's the dirty little secret about religion's value as a communal glue. It can only define an us in opposition to a them. That's all it does. You see all these statistics that show that religious people are more charitable than atheists, right? But what they so often fail to mention is that that charity extends only to other people in their group. Christians in America will donate more to, say, Christians in China than atheists will, but atheists will donate more to Muslims in Gaza than Christians will. It's why Christians do better than atheists when it comes to donating to charity, and atheists do better than Christians when it comes to supporting policies that would permanently fix the issues, creating all the need for charity in the first fucking place. But as ever, where religion fails, science succeeds. Now, don't get me wrong. Science has plenty of blood on its hands in terms of creating us's and them's but it at least allows a plausible universal goal, the advancement of knowledge. You don't have to be an us for that to matter. You don't even have to be a human for that to matter. I I was thinking about this last week. I was reading a book about the transit of Venus back in 1769, right? That's the one where astronomers the world over try to definitively measure the distance between Earth and the sun by observing the transit from all different latitudes and then comparing notes. And It's a fascinating story. I'll probably do a Citation Needed episode about it or something because, of course, it was way harder to get people all over the world with precision equipment back in 1769. It was way harder to coordinate. It was way harder to compare notes afterwards, but it happened. Countries that were at war contributed together to this grand scientific enterprise. And as often as it's faltered along the way, ever since then, science has been the focus of these grand cross-cultural endeavors. Whether we're talking about mapping the human genome or crunching the data from the LHC or building a space station bigger than a football field, these are things that you need international cooperation for. And they're things that don't benefit anybody unless they're shared with everybody, right? What fucking good is it to learn the distance between the earth and the sun and then keep that knowledge to yourself? The very pursuit demands it be open. So yeah, look, religion was a useful cultural glue. Evolutionists testified to that. But you know what else was useful? We're fucking rock hammers. We've moved on as a species. What we need now are systems that can glue cultures to one another, an us that doesn't demand to them. And when it comes to the ability to do that, nothing else has ever come close to science. They're talking about your Jesus. Interrupt this broadcast and bring you a special news bulletin. Joining me for headlines tonight are the Superman and Batman of this hall of justice, Heath Enright and Eli Bostic. Fellas. Are you ready to fight for truth, justice, and the American way? I'm a Christ figure. Nice. Yeah, and and I'm a psychopath with several backup plans on how to murder you. This is all tracking this week, everybody. It's all working out. Also kind of a Christ figure. Meanwhile, it's time for a word from this week's sponsor, Adam and Eve. I wish the Super Friends were sponsored by Adam and Eve. (laughs) (laughs) Explain the monkey. Such good ads. Ho-hum. Hey, Eli, what's wrong? Yeah, man, you look blue. I am, fellas. It's the existential dread. Existential dread? 
Oh, sure. With no gods or afterlife to comfort me and the certainty of my own death and dissolution into the long arc of history, I'm chock full of existential dread. Okay, well, have you tried fucking real good? What's fucking real good? It's whatever you want it to be. Outfit stuff, putting things in your butt, putting things in other people's butt, anything. Wow, that sounds great. It is great. And whatever you're into, Adam and Eve is here to help. Plus, Adam and Eve is offering 50% off just about any item and free shipping, which includes rush processing. Ooh, rush processing. But I don't know, guys. What if my neighbors see me bringing in my narwhal sex doll? No worries there. Adam and Eve wants to make your life easy. They offer discreet shipping as your privacy is a priority, plus 100% free shipping with rush processing on your entire order. Doesn't matter how much you spend or what you buy, all will be packaged and sent discreetly for free and fast. All right, fellas, I'm sold. Where do I shop? Just go to adamandeve.com and select any one item. It could be an adventurous new toy or anything you desire. Just enter offer code SCATHING at checkout. That's SCATHING, S-C-A-T-H-I-N-G, at adamandeve.com. This is an exclusive offer specific to this podcast, so be sure to use the code SCATHING to get your discount. 100% free shipping and get it fast with Rush Processing. Code SCATHING. All right, guys, thanks. So, narwhal sex doll. Yeah, the horns of dildo. Horns of dildo, yeah, got it. It's better, that's better than what I was picturing. Me too, actually, yeah. And now, back to the headlines. In our lead story tonight, American Atheists released their 2024 State of the Secular States report this weekend. Spoiler alert, it's fucking terrible. This is an <laughs> annual report the organization issues on religious freedom in America or increasingly the lack thereof because what we saw last year, of course, was the normalization of all the shit that seemed so goddamn extreme a year before that. Or as American Atheist President Nick Fish puts it in the introduction to the report, quote, these attacks on vulnerable communities and on democracy itself have gone from relatively rare outbursts of extremism to the centerpiece of a political movement, end quote. Their job's getting harder and harder. It's more right? and more like, you remember Donald Glover in Community? He walks back into the apartment with pizza and like everything's on fire somehow. She's <laughs> like, okay, ha, the annual report is fucking fire now. It's just lots of stuff on fire is the report. My job's yeah. weird now. Yeah, they could have done a one-pager and just called it, we are the goatee universe, you know, kept it yeah. brief. <laughs> right. So, yeah, so this report breaks down the country state by state, and it gives you like a, a like a current snapshot of where each state stands vis-a-vis -vis religious freedom. Now, instead of a letter grade, the report categorizes them broadly into a green, yellow, or red categories, and then it breaks those broad grades down specifically on a number of different metrics. And as you'd expect when you look at the national map, what you've got is a green band across the West Coast, a smattering of green in the Northeast, some yellow across the Midwest, and a huge honk and chunk of red along the entire Southeast that stretches up into the corn states all the fucking way to Canada. Yeah, cool. So the electoral map, yeah. same as that, or, mm -hmm. or an education map. Or, or a truck nuts map. Good times. Those are all <laughs> Informationally efficient. We can just memorize one thing. Pro tip, podcast listener. If you have any like generally liberal friends, but they don't really get the atheist activism thing when you try to talk to them about it, this report is a great thing to share with them because they're going to have their own private oh, damn, religion is the cause of everything I'm mad about moment when they read yes. this thing. It's nice. Yeah. It's, a, it's a little... Uh, right, and they're going to look at their state and go like, oh, wow, there's a lot of shit we still need to fix. Yeah. Not New Jersey, baby. Well, yeah, no, there's still some shit to fix there. So... 
I'm here. New Jersey's perfect. No, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> Heath said no one. Supportive. Please cut him saying no at the end, Morgan. Please cut those parts. It's very important to me. No. So the way the report works is that for each state, they look at the presence or absence of 60 different laws or protections or whatever. Uh, like, you know, does the state have religious exceptions for child abuse? Does the state have constitutional or statutory protections for abortion? Does the state require religious displays in schools? That kind of stuff. And you can easily see this information about your state at a glance. But among the dozens of issues it looks at, they highlight a couple of important trends that we saw over the past year, specifically the targeting of trans youth, restrictions on abortion and contraception access and school censorship done in the name of parental rights. OK, can we go back and just say yes retroactively to the whole secession thing like I, I know we need to do a big rescue like extraction operation first but like right <laughs> after that we shouldn't give away all the good weather like that that's fa- yeah yes, no they get all weather. the good weather that's true i mean to be fair trump solved this issue with the whole my supporters know that the curious drinking bleach but then you narcs had to tell them it was poison <laughs> i'm just saying fair it's really on us be cool this was working itself out in payroll yeah now of course as dire as this all is it wasn't all bad news. The report points New out Jersey. that the, <laughs> the report points out New Jersey. Yeah, no, it points out that the number of Christian nationalist bills introduced in state legislatures more than doubled from last year's already record number. That's the bad. And the actual content of those bills is also significantly worse than it was a year ago. But at the same time, the number of state bills introduced to protect civil rights and religious equality also doubled. So, you know, if it seems like nobody's doing anything, perhaps that's because you're not standing close enough to the people doing the things. Yeah. And in Navajo a minute news, you know, we talk about so much dangerous Christian nonsense on this show that when we get a chance to toss in the occasional bone mo about what the smaller brands of stupid are up to, it's a nice, refreshing difference. Like a sorbet between courses or cheating on your husband. Well, what? take off your wedding ring and prepare for the taste of apricot because this week, the White House convened an emergency meeting with Navajo Nation leaders because the moon is magic. Okay. And you're not allowed to put dead bodies on it. Sorry, mm-hmm. no, but the, the moon is my sacred burial ground, uh, sincerely held. So impasse, I guess. Oh, shit. We're allowed Should to be. just have sacred stuff. Should be. Yeah. So big thanks to Thomas for bringing this story to our attention. If you send a story to scathingnews at gmail.com, you too can earn the warm embrace of us saying your first name out loud on the show. So here's what happened. This past Monday, NASA was prepared to launch Peregrine Mission 1, which would have been the first time an American-made spacecraft has landed on the lunar surface since the end of the Apollo program in 1972. Which is very exciting for space nerds like Noah. I mean, the difference of video game technology alone should get the moon people very excited. Am I right? Well, but the, the stuff from the 70s is still pretty good, though. It's still a lot of fun. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> That's true. That's true. But because NASA has to fund itself with fucking cereal box tops and bored billionaires, this mission is, in part, funded by private companies who pay to have stuff sent to the moon along with the science stuff. And two of those companies, Celestis and Elysium Space, sell 
we'll put your dead body on the moon services. Well, they, well, they sell, we'll try real hard to services. <laughs> yeah, yeah, pin in that, pin in that. So Celestia's payload called Tranquility Flight included 66 memorial capsules containing cremated remains and DNA, which will remain on the lunar surface, according to the company's website, quote, as a permanent tribute to the intrepid souls who never stopped reaching for the stars, end quote. <laughs> Right, right, because the moon is closer to the stars. Yeah, well, it's closer to half of the stars, Heath. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> and look, I want to acknowledge right here at the forefront that sending your body to the moon is a fucking stupid waste of money. I thought it was cool. I agree. In fact, the only thing that's more stupid and a waste of money is religion. In this case, the Navajo belief that the moon is sacred, and therefore you're not allowed to throw dead white people at it for $10,000 a pop. <laughs> Navajo Nation President Boone Green said, quote, the moon holds a sacred place in Navajo cosmology. The suggestion of transforming it into a resting place for human remains is deeply disturbing and unacceptable to our people and many other tribal nations, end quote. Okay, here's the thing. We're, we're selling dumb shit to billionaires. We're probably just throwing away their ashes anyway and then maybe going, <laughs> just be cool about it, guys. Right, look, I, I feel like we should, you know, we should all be a little trepidatious about dismissing the concerns of the Navajo nation about, you know, America's disrespecting their sacred sites. And we should probably acknowledge that if this was like a Christian taboo or a Muslim taboo, there's no way in fucking hell we would even be thinking about doing it. But on the other hand, it's the moon, man. Nobody gets to call dibs on the fucking moon. Except America. Exactly. <laughs> well, we did. Except for that we one time that when one we very time much that called, we called dibs, dibs, on, dibs the on the moon. Yeah. So you're probably wondering, what was the response from NASA? Well, Dr. Joel Kearns, their deputy associate administrator for exploration, had this to say while, I assume, unpacking the lunch he's forced to bring from home. Quote, <laughs> we recognize that some non-NASA commercial payloads can be a cause for concern to some communities, and those communities may not understand that these missions are commercial. They're not U.S. government missions. American companies bringing equipment and cargo and payloads to the moon is a totally new industry. A nascent industry yep. where Same thing. everyone is learning. We take <laughs> Glad concerns to know you know what that word <laughs> from the Navajo Nation very, very seriously. Not adding, are you guys going out towards Balinsville when you leave? Can you just drop me off near the exit? I'll hitch the rest of the way into town on the back of a pickup. Ubers are really expensive out here. <laughs> But but rest assured, we're taking you very like two varies worth of seriously here in our official <laughs> yeah. statement. Trust me. for sure. Yeah, the NASA guy really loves spending his time on that shit. Fucking yeah. loves it. Mm -hmm. But my favorite response to this debacle came from the CEO of Celestis, who was apparently auditioning for our podcast with their statement: "Quote, no one and no religion owns the moon." If the beliefs of the world's multitudes of religions were considered, it's quite likely that no missions would ever be approved. Yep. True. Simply put, we do not and never have let religious beliefs dictate humanity's space efforts. There is not and should not be a religious <laughs> test, end quote. Yeah, and don't worry, religious people will probably bonk our heads on the firmament and never make it to the moon anyway, so <laughs> what are you worried about? Uh, but they actually did. In this case, they actually did that. But yeah, normally, yeah. most of the time, <laughs> yeah. that doesn't happen. Spoilers. It's a higher firmament than we originally thought. <laughs> we got lucky. Yeah. 
So whether or not you consider the moon landing to be trespassing on the little green man's property, there is good news, which is that the Peregrine mission had a spark go blork, and they are absolutely not going to make it to the moon, which means, and this is why it's good news, a bunch of people paid like a lot of money to be thrown into space near the moon. Yes. <laughs> and then, at least from what I could tell from what I read, crash into the ocean and win everyone a taco, maybe. Now, I know that's not quite the poetry that was on the brochure, but certainly it's a fitting metaphor for man's quest to live among the stars. Am I right? Well, there for you the go. stars. Did, ah, tried it. Didn't quite make it. That's awesome. And in Cluck Your Face News, we have a story about Chick-fil-A. Very Hell yeah, we exciting. Do. My delightful home state of New York is persecuting Christians again, this time by making them recognize seven-sevenths of the days in a week. A new bill would require that food outlets at transportation facilities and rest areas remain open for all the, the days that we have in our time dimension. Hmm. But that's going to murder God, because Chick-fil-A is a chicken-themed bigot company that's known for, well, homophobic hiring, and also closing their doors on Sundays in observance of the omnipotent creator of the universe needing a chill day on Saturday, actually. Yeah. So, look, nobody's more disappointed with a 14% rise in the availability of your product than me, Chick-fil-A, but rules is rules, damn it. <laughs> okay. What if the guy at Hudson News offers to deep fry a flip-flop for you on the Sunday? <laughs> That's the same. That's our product. Yeah. I'll, even one much, pickle or whatever. That'll do it. <laughs> And a big thanks to April and Jay for the links, scathingnews.gmail.com. So here's what it says in the proposed bill. Quote, while there is nothing objectionable about a fast food restaurant closing on a particular day of the week. Yes, there is, though. That's dumb. Anyway, continuing yep. service areas dedicated to travelers is not an appropriate location for such a restaurant. End quote. Good point. Yeah, they didn't write this part down, but it also says you, you can hear in the subtext. Go back to the 90s mall food court from whence you came. Your chicken's not even that good. <laughs> also worth noting, the new rule wouldn't even affect any existing Chick-fil-A locations, even though it should. The policy just says, from now on, all the food servers have to serve food, do their fucking job on all the days that people eat the food. Sure, right. But, counterpoint, Heath, enforcing a uniform set of rules is Christian persecution. Sure yes, is. yes. All right. And I just want to, again, clarify, this is just for transportation hubs, right? Where people can't go elsewhere for food, right? Yes. No one's going to step out of the Dallas airport during their 28-minute layover to <laughs> grab a bite to eat, <laughs> right? That's why the food that's offered there needs to be, and I know this is hard to comprehend, offered there. Offered there. Yeah. <laughs> yes. So... Despite this proposed consumer protection bill being so very simple and obvious, the absurd Christian backlash required a response. And that task was handled by very exhausted New York Assembly member Tony Simone, who said, approximate quote, come on, really, just fucking, fucking sell food to the truckers or don't and go away. We really don't care either way. Just fucking do it or don't. And if you listen closely, you can also hear Lindsey Graham getting slapped with a leather glove on either side of his face when I read that. Huh. And that face was already shockingly bright pink. So not a lot of room to get pinker. Now he's flashing red like a video game boss. Not great. In response to the bill, Graham said on Twitter, quote, this is war. 
No, no, Lindsay, you can tell it isn't war because you're going to it, right? If it was war, (laughs) you would remain stateside and serve as a staff judge advocate. (laughs) Graham also added, quote, the founders of Chick-fil-A made a decision early on to close on Sunday consistent with their faith. For any government to try to reverse this decision flies in the face of who we are as Americans, end quote. Uh, well, I would argue that hindering Americans' rights to stuff themselves with fried fast food exactly 24-7 flies in the face of everything our founding fathers fought for, right? Whether our <laughs> founding fathers knew it or not, that is the American way. I'm sorry, I'm really stuck on the term founders here, okay? Chick-fil-A opened in 1967, all right? I have uncles with more established history than your bigot-themed mall kiosk. Relax, (laughs) founders. Yeah. And on top of the chicken-based declaration of war from a sitting (laughs) senator, Graham also doubled down, KFC reference, nailed it, it, by threatening to introduce a law that would penalize any state that forces Chick-fil-A to stay open on Sundays, citing the legislative principle of my law can totally beat up your law. But again, the New York law wouldn't force any Sunday opening. So that's nothing. Do you guys ever take a moment when we're doing this job and try to remember a time when our politics wasn't someone doing a mean impersonation of how Heath plays board games? Because I do, but I feel like I'm getting worse at it. Like I can't quite remember it. Also, just for the record, if anyone wants Chick-fil-A on Sunday, the only thing they do differently is brine the chicken in pickle juice before they fry it. You can yep. do that with without also hating gay people. It's very mm-hmm. easy. So there you go. You're welcome. Also, Shake Shack is way better. And in packs tons of fun news. You know, way back in 2016, when Donald Trump was elected president by people who didn't vote for Hillary Clinton and exclusively people who didn't vote for Hillary Clinton. There were many who, having made their career in the previous couple of years, condemning the non-existent radical left while claiming to be truly liberal in their DNA, assured us that we had nothing to worry about. And I think it's fair to say that that diagnosis was um, incorrect, incorrect, to mm-hmm. say the least. Yeah, A couple of years later, when conservative state legislatures like Texas decided on murdering trans children as a political platform, those remaining talking heads who weren't in a medically induced coma to get over their benzo and meat-only addiction assured us that once again we were panicking over nothing. Well, sadly, I am out of so's to told ya, because last week news broke that Seattle's Children's Hospital has sued Texas Attorney General Ken Paxton's office over claims that Paxton's office had demanded records of transgender Texans receiving gender-affirming care in Washington, which I don't know if you are all super familiar is not in the state of Texas. No. Yeah. Okay. Absolutely horrible. But most importantly, Ken Paxton's nose hair is insane. It's it pretty looks intense. Like Cthulhu. Yeah. It's forming <laughs> it's, a Hitler mustache from inside his nose on his lip. He was. It, it's like we found the like the the alien that drives him's periscope. Right. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Now, luckily, and and I really do mean luckily, Washington State actually saw this kind of behavior coming, probably because 
Paxton and a bunch of other bigot lawmakers have explained in public and often in writing that this is exactly what they were planning on doing. So Washington actually had already passed what is called a shield law, which prevents the issuance of out-of-state subpoenas and criminal investigations for reproductive and gender-affirming care. A concept that I will remind our listeners states last had to apply in the form of fugitive slave laws before the Civil War. Yeah, if you have fugitive black law, then you're creating fugitives. People need asylum from you, Texas. And according to you, the U.S. military should attack you. Yes. You're insane. Right. Fucking Oklahoma and New Mexico start building the wall. Yeah. <laughs> hey, this is actually pretty easy. You guys seem to really have fucked it. Shut up. Ours was bigger. God damn it. But Paxton doesn't remember who won the Civil War, obviously, because, as I mentioned, back in November, his office wrote a letter to the hospital demanding records identifying medication given to children who live in Texas, the number of Texas children who receive treatment, and documents that identify the, quote, standard protocol or guidance used for treatment. Well, the standard protocol is telling you to fuck off, um... Which is also the standard guidance for you to fuck off. So there you go. Fuck off. That's yeah. You you know it felt great to be the one to write that letter. There was a furious <laughs> slap fight in the office over who got to write the <laughs> go fuck yourself letter to Ken Paxton. Uh-huh. And look, even though this lawsuit will, in all likelihood, be successful, as the human rights campaign has pointed out, more than 35% of all trans youth reside in a state where lawmakers have passed prohibitions on gender-affirming care. And not all of them can afford to hop states to get that care. The damage caused by these laws aren't limited to state lines, and the bigots who passed them never intended for them to be. So, yes, theocratic child-murdering bullshit is everyone's problem, and the only people in the situation who deserve anything are Paxton and his ilk. But I will choose not to say what they deserve on air, because... I would like to make it a full month into 2024 before committing a felony on air this year. I maybe maybe you shoot for 12. Go for 12 this time. Don't overpromise, Noah. Don't overpromise. And finally tonight, in the mind is a terrible thing to waste. That's news. really fucking Arrow. good. You just you try give it a second. Because you're not looking it's at how it's spelled, listener. But that's really fucking good. Talk about Gotta it. be a patron. You can read the script. You can see our notes. <laughs> we had a fight in this script that you can't see unless you're a patron. It's all there. I stole my story about the Keith nomination. is gaslighting me because I'm a woman of color. <laughs> so <laughs> Fox News decided to ramp up the journalistic integrity this week with some tarot cards in their journalism. Fair and upright temperance, that's their thing. They invited a psychic, in quotes, tarot reader to predict the future of Donald Trump, and he's going to die in jail with no money. The reading went so (laughs) fucking badly right away. It's the best. The reader was clearly supposed to rig it with something positive, or at least do a positive spin, because it's tarot, and you can just say whatever you want, and that's how it works. But... She scared the fuck out of all the Fox News people and undoubtedly a bunch of their audience. It was a delight. I'm so confused about the brand choice here. Were they test marketing different bullshit for their audience? Like like when Mountain Dew tests a new flavor, but it's just in Ohio for a couple of months. (laughs) No, I feel like they're sick of making up new bullshit all the time. And they were like, can we automate it? Can we just shuffle a deck of bullshit? (laughs) That'll work. Yeah. And a big thanks to Anne for the link, scathingnews at gmail.com. 
So yeah, the guest sorceress from last week was Paula Roberts. She started with a reading for Trump and the first card was the Five of Cups. Oh no. Which features a hooded figure with his head hanging in dismay at the sight of five golden goblets, three of which are knocked over. And okay, I mean, I also get very sad when I spill three of my five goblets of wine that I usually have. <laughs> Can confirm. Can confirm. <laughs> so the ominous card comes up and Paula Roberts immediately says, uh-oh. <laughs> and then Waters pressed her for the meaning of the card, to which she replied, loss. It's about <laughs> losing. He's going to lose it stuff. Losing. <laughs> loss. I mean, I could have told you that, Paula. Talking about taking the easy yeah, right. Come right, on, fucking right. find the ace of spades, Paula. <laughs> And just a quick, fun, nonsense fact about tarot cards. Fives in general are the struggle cards and cups indicate something related to emotions. So that card does generally mean loss and failure, sort of. Yeah, well, yeah, time to deploy some of my embarrassingly stupid knowledge. The traditional title for the Five of Cups is Disappointment. Oh, okay, mm. yeah, perfect. Point being, it's my nickname for my mom, too, so it's weird. I bet she's a big tarot fan. <laughs> she probably okay. thinks of you You've as gotta like, talk to her about yeah. it. Yeah, so point being, never not lying about the magical <laughs> deck of lying was shockingly honest journalism from Fox News. Right? Yeah. yeah. And it gets even better from there. She moves on to doing a reading for Joe Biden and turns over the nine of coins, which she interpreted as a sign that Biden might be coming into some serious money. And at that point, Waters is panicking because fucking the witch lady's going off script. I got to do something. And he's like, oh, money, probably money from China. Am I right? Joe Biden, China money. And Paula Roberts was like, no, just just money. Nothing about China in the card. There's no China. Thing <laughs> and Waters was fucking furious at this point. Waters is like, why would you say that? There isn't a China card. You can pretend one that has China on it, Paula. <laughs> All right. So I have to say this. Traditional title of that card is gain. Right. So it is hard for me to believe that the tarot reading was not a Biden plant here. And I love her. <laughs> it's so it. good. Great job. We also got a reading for America in general. And the Ten of Cups told us to expect, quote, Big, 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 happy. And again, I, I too get triple big, happy, good when I'm able to refill my spilled wine goblets with a new card that has more of them. This so is all great. true. This yeah. is, I can confirm this. Made perfect sense. Yeah. By the way, that's the card of satiety. So spot on for America. Sure. Yeah. No. Nailing it. <laughs> From there, she drew a card for Waters himself and predicted that he'd have another child in 2024. And he became even more angry and extra terrified. <laughs> Yeah, is there any word on if that card applies to my wife, too? Uh, this is very important as to how I respond to <laughs> a text I got this morning. I so, yeah, here we are in a presidential election year. And the source of news for about half the country decided to kick off primary season by trying to, like, fuck us in the common room on a futon and do a tarot read. <laughs> The plan backfired, yes, but still not a good sign. So I guess I'm going to make a prediction of my own. The news cycle is going to get even stupider from here. Oh, no, that's a prediction. You would have been a great tarot reader, Heath. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Stupid you. news cycles. Good for jokes, bad for my clinical depression, which <laughs> coincidentally is also really well represented by the Five of Cups. Okay. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's a, maybe tarot is real. So Ooh. great job by Paula Roberts. New brand shift. <laughs> great job going rogue. Love it. But if you're going to rig the deck for Donald Trump anyway, maybe mention some treason and draw the hanged man. 
Like, I'm glad he's going to be a sad loser, but you could have done better with the prank. That would have been a fun extra thing to do. There you go. Go broader. Go broader. And while I once more wonder what useful stuff my brain could have held instead of tarot meanings, we're going to close the headlines for the night. Heath, Eli, thanks as always. Tarot. And when we come back, we'll try to tell you what's going on without knowing ourselves. Here at Puzzle in a Thunderstorm, we immerse ourselves in all forms of Christian entertainment. Be they movie, music, book, or video, sometimes we do it to better arm ourselves with counter-apologetics. Sometimes we do it to see what kind of vile messages Christian leaders are sending to their flocks. And sometimes we do it just to stare in awe at how bad things can really be. And we're going to do that last one for you on this installment of God Awful Minis. So tell us, Heath, what will we be breaking down today? We watched Poison. It's the story of a movie sitting on the metaphor of its own balls and physically injuring itself. So <laughs> bad that they tried to do a metaphor so hard and it did and not they, work did they, I don't know about hard, but yes. They, <laughs> so Eli, how bad was this movie? Well, if you love the heavy-handed metaphors of your local pastor, but you wish he understood them even less than you do, <laughs> you will love this mini. I don't think they understand the word metaphor even, oh, let alone like the one no, they were trying to what execute. what it does. Yep. No. Yeah. All right. So is there anything you guys going to nominate this movie for being the best at being the worst at? Yeah. Besides metaphor, I'm going to say best worst. The church where these people go, these people who made this movie clearly go to a church, I think in the UK, this church fucking hates them and was like, all right, you're going to do a little skit movie. You can... You can shoot it in the back, not in the front of the church. In the fucking <laughs> antechamber. We actually get a scene next to the dumpsters in the back alley. Mm -hmm. We do. Yeah. Yep. I'm going to go, of course, with a because we all like looked at it and we were like, well, you can't do best, worst metaphor because that's too obvious. It's uh, weird course, that we don't yeah. all three have that. But I went with best, worst couples fight. Sure. We'll get there. It's It's fun. <laughs> And I'm going to go with best worst magazines. Once again, we will get there. <laughs> oh, yeah. The magazines, the, the metaphor yeah. magazine metaphor, something. Not no, they're actually magazines about the metaphor. <laughs> they are, or, or are they the metaphor? Or we are they the metaphor know. of the metaphor? It's, or are they a simile for the metaphor? <laughs> Ooh. Did Foucault make this movie, guys? I think Foucault might have made this movie. Or did we? All right, so we're going to kick this one off with this amazing Lazy Cross logo for Invisible Sword Productions, <laughs> right? With another one of those, like, actually, uh, Christianity is pretty cool. If you lay the cross on the side, it's kind of like a sword. Yeah, for when Fiverr is too expensive for your logo needs. <laughs> yes. So, yeah, Forer. They went to Forer. So then we, we get 86% of a trigger warning, right? It says... This program contains subject meh that might may be I'm sorry that may disturbing to some view viewer discretion is advised. <laughs> they ran out of budget and they only got like a little bit of the <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. You guys uh you guys buckled in when you saw that, right? When you were like, "Oh, they can't do the opening title screen right. This yes, is going to yes. be something." Yeah. yeah. Although it, it says viewer discretion advised and then the cold open guy drinking pee and I was like, "Okay, well thank you." For the advisement. Okay. Yeah. 
So no, it, it, like okay, so I don't think this is supposed to be pee, but that's sure what it feels like right after it says viewer discretion is advised, and we cut to this guy drinking yellow liquid from a beat up plastic bottle. Yeah, yeah. Oh, so this is Colin, and he drinks poison every day. Now, poison is going to stand in is our metaphor, right? But every, everything is just poison. Everything that is sin is just marked with a big skull and crossbones. And that's the clever idea they had that they thought, wow, we could make a whole movie based on. Right. Right. But he won't drink any spirit water, you know, just in case the poison metaphor was too subtle for you. <laughs> yes. <laughs> spirit water. Yeah. We get a narrator that's like, Colin is 32 years old and drinks poison every day, but refuses to drink the spirit water. And and I wrote my notes. And no, audience, you are no less grounded in what the fuck is going on than we are. Sure <laughs> aren't. Yeah. And it, it also seems very confusing, like what purpose they think the poison serves because they don't know why anyone would sin when loving Jesus is so great. So he's like, I love drinking the poison. It, it's delicious. Also, I'm addicted. Also, I have bottles and cans on my table. I don't know. These are mine. <laughs> All right. So it would be impossible to overstate how cheaply they have made these cans and bottles into cans and bottles of poison. Well, I, hey, let me, let me give it a shot. Hey, uh, podcast listener, uh, just you got your home printer there. Just grab a piece of paper from there and just wrap it around a random can you have in your kitchen if you got one. I think already too professional. You did too better. You yeah. did a much better job than this movie did. Do you have any construction paper in a garbage can that you could just grab <laughs> and an old crayon? It's a, a little wrinkly if it could be a little wrinkly. And please, by all means, don't match it to the size of the can or anything. No, definitely not. <laughs> Somebody definitely cut their face on the edge of the paper that was extending past <laughs> yeah. the can. No question. By the end of the movie, everybody's got a paper cut on their lip. I love it. <laughs> That's how they chose to end it is when everyone had a paper cut on set, they all left. Right. So, we, But we've got Colin sitting there talking about how much he loves the poison. And then there's a chick interviewing him about why he loves the poison. And she's like, you know, does it bother you that you're addicted to the poison? And he goes, no, because. And then he pauses for like 37 years and he goes, it takes away the pain. <laughs> so. I also drink atheism to take away my pain. I get yeah. it. Yeah, That's, no, the, that is the atheism porn gayness. Okay, my favorite little detail about this scene, this guy playing Colin has a sweatband on and they're just sitting there. And he, I guess he's acting so hard. He's acting he so hard that the sweat was getting into obviously. <laughs> act, 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 act. <laughs> my favorite little detail of this scene is that the quote-unquote reporter is taking notes, but we can see the notes and they're very clearly just her squiggling on the piece of yes, paper. So it, right. I, yeah. There's nothing. Did you just mime taking a note? No, it's no, real. I, took a real I am it's a very writing important. real word. Notes. You're writing what you're saying right now? She switches over to how my son holds crayons. Okay, you know what? It's probably yeah. better for you to just mime. <laughs> So we see him drinking some poison while a priest tries to give him spirit water. And then the narrator explains what we're looking at, right? And as, as, as much as I normally am not a fan of narrating your own scene as you're showing it to me, in this instance, I'll take whatever the fuck I can get. This is Pastor Jesse Franks, and he is an advocate for pure spirit water. Huh? Okay, so this is real. At this moment, I was like, Oh, I, th I thought they were doing a metaphor, but is he actually an advocate for spirit water? Whatever that means in real life. And 
No, the answer is no. But just the fact that I had to ask, I genuinely had to ask, that's a real problem with your right, thing. Right. There was a point where all of us are like, oh, they're going to try to sell us this water. No. Oh, 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 okay. They're just still doing an analogy so on the nose that Pilgrim's Progress would be embarrassed by it. Yeah. Okay. Well, and it's made even more confusing of the fact that they did a real man on the street shot here, right? There's someone with a camcorder and a really terrible case of MS, so I, I don't want to poke too much fun on them. He's following this pastor as he tries to hand out spirit water to real people on the street and most of them tell them to fuck themselves but the best is some car is backing in that very clearly just sees like oh free water and they're like yeah I'm thirsty I'll take one and then he does that thing where he holds onto the bottle and starts to talk to them about Jesus and you can watch the guy in the passenger side be like the water's not worth it anymore please stop talking to me <laughs> yes, the water right, is yeah. not worth it I would drink <laughs> from the sewer drain rather than continue this conversation <laughs> drive drive yeah <laughs> Also, just for the record, yeah, he's handing out spirit water. Holy water is just full of shit molecules. Just full of yes, shit molecules. Full of, so th that's poison. Your thing yep. is poison. Yeah, really, honestly. So yeah, and so then we're going to do some direct address with the water preacher himself. Yeah. He's like, you know, I'm offering them free water straight from God himself. And I'm like, could you guys only afford half of the analogy? <laughs> right. What happened? Yes. Also, it's not free. Your your free spirit water. You're, this is a metaphor for like becoming Christian. That's not free. You're gonna ask for nope. money in a second. Yeah, that's like taking your free CD in Times Square, and then you're gonna be like, actually, I just uh, need a little bit of money to work on the next album. No, okay. Yeah. It's actually significantly worse than that because if you didn't take the CD and they were like, I guess I have to burn you and your family in fire forever, yeah. it would actually be worse than <laughs> yeah. the con that happens if you continue it. That's what happens. And then we get these lovely little like inner cuts, which are supposed to be the reasons that people sin, right? Someone's like, I've been eating and drinking poison since I was a kid. I only drink diet poison because God is fake, blah, 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 right? All that stuff. And the reason why I love these inner cuts is, is excuse me my, as I self-indulge slightly, I sometimes get to teach high schoolers drama. And people often ask me, why would you do that to yourself on purpose when it's not your job? And it's because when you see really, really young people act, you get to see like talent when it's completely pure and unaffected by like a bunch of teachers who have been assholes to them, right? And so it's really wonderful. This montage of acting is the opposite of that feeling. It's the opposite of talent in its purest form. It's a lack of talent in its pure. It's the dark matter of talent is this series of actors. We found another anti-masterclass. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, this is fucking great. We see this happy couple where they're like, well, you know, we've been eating and drinking poison together since we were kids. We love to partake together in poisonous rituals. I'm like, what are we doing here? <laughs> We're losing the metaphor, Doc. Get in there with the paddles. Get in there with the paddles. Right. There's also this one, like, really nervous lady whose eyes are trying to read something written on the inside of my skull. Mm -hmm. Who's like, you know, I used to drink poison, but now I don't. I drink the spirit water now, but sometimes I still drink the poison because it's addictive. And we're like, who are you? What do you who, represent? What side are you on? Get it. Okay, but now it's time for my, almost my favorite part of the movie because we cut back to the pastor trying to give people out water and mm -hmm. we see his full-size body for the first time in relation to an actual object. And unless the bench he's standing on is 11 feet tall, he is a tiny little man, this pastor. He is five foot nothing. 
Yeah, and he's standing on top of the park bench as, as though to distract you from how short he is. And I'm like, don't do that, you fucking asshole. People have to sit there. And then we get this goth lady that walks by. Now, we're going to have about three of these in a row, these women that are like supposed to be like the bad chicks that drink a lot of poison or whatever. And they've all like found different ways of representing that without <laughs> at all doing the kind of things that would represent that. This one's is like, I'm going to wear a lot of black clothes. Right, mm-hmm. it gets weirder from there. This shirt is a tri blend of mixed fibers. Yeah, yes. <laughs> nine cigarettes. I also like the last lady because her line was given was too long, and so she has to like jam it in super fast. Right, and he's like, "Try some water," and she's like, "Buzz off! Try some water. I'm having a great time with my poison. Try some water. Your God is a myth and a lie. I'll have you arrested if you ever bother me again because you violated code <laughs> section forty-four. <laughs> oh, fuck." <laughs> I didn't do it in a breath again. Can we try again? I'll walk yeah. slower. I'll walk slower. Yeah, that was an atheist getting a priest in a park arrested. And that's why you never see preachers in parks is because we do that all the time. That's right. what they say. No, yeah. Obviously, because the atheists have been arrested. So then, so then the priest explains that, yes, he actually has been arrested for trying to give people his reclaimed rainwater or whatever the fuck it is, that is that's in those bottles. Right? <laughs> he says, I keep getting arrested for giving away free water. And I was like... It's a it's a weird flex, man. You 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 feel like you did something else wrong in there <laughs> and next to the giving And disturbing the peace. Uh, yeah, right. Okay. Right. He's been reser- arrested for disturbing the peace and preaching false doctrine about the spirit water. Really? Clearly. Yeah. Preaching false doctrine. That sounds like a government based on spirit water is in charge. Of the yes, I was going to say. So yes, is the poison bad, right? A different church now. Right. The spirit seltzer government was mad at you. Do you hear it? Do you hear that yes. your thing's done? <laughs> and then he says that Jesus gave him that water. Yes. Which is a very silly thing to do to your metaphor. <laughs> right? Because I'm picturing Jesus just unloading a bunch of cases from the back of his truck. Now, do please give this out to people or I will oh, burn them you're forever. Me, I, I thought we were doing a metaphor. Are you not doing a metaphor? You're giving me real the- water? It's actual just bottles of water? No, this is for you. Okay. Yeah. They have shit in them? Yeah, it's almost at this point, it was like they replaced, they did like a find and replace with water and gospel or something. Yeah. And so, and then they get owned in their own fucking movie with the lightest possible argument. So the interviewer lady from before, she's talking to the priest and she goes, so how do you know that the spirit water works? And he says, and these are direct quotes. He says, because that's what God wants. And she says, How do you know what God wants? And he says, because God is everything, everywhere. (laughs) And that's nothing. And then you watch him look over and he's like, you didn't write anything on, you you faked writing on that piece of paper again. (laughs) (laughs) She's like, all right, I'll write down pass for that one. You said nothing. All right, okay, three points (laughs) for Gryffindor. I love that they couldn't spring for a notebook for this person to take notes in as an interviewer. No, no. They just had printer paper, but then... They didn't want to waste a piece of printer paper. Somebody was like, we want to just put that paper back into the printer. We don't have the next read yet. <laughs> yeah, don't, so yeah, actually, exactly. write don't actually write on it. You, have you, to you actually it. printed most of You're our- You're definitely not getting a notebook. <laughs> took a lot of our paper to print all those little poison labels I thought was going to be less than that. So, And then some fucking rando runs into the movie and he's like, I would like a meet cute now. Yeah, and hey, podcast listener, if you thought the accents, because there are accents in this movie, were hard to understand so far, get a load of this guy who will kind of be the main character for the rest of the movie. Yes. But I watched literally every scene with him at least twice to understand a single fucking word he said. Yeah, this is John, and and this is where we're going to get the best of the poisony 
women. This the, he, John sees this woman. She's got a huge costume feather boa. Feather on. boa, just That's like the whores of Babylon. That was, yes. that was the sin. Was feather boa. I don't know. Oh, it gets better. It gets better because he drives up and he's like, yes. hello. And she's like, yes, feather boa, feather boa. And then she sits in the back seat. Yes, of his car. He drives her somewhere. So we see him getting into poison. He's doing poison at all of the parties with all of the hot chicks. He becomes a cab driver. It says he becomes a cab driver, which is, I guess, the most poisonous of all the occupations. That's how you re meet the really lascivious, poisony chicks. Obviously, right? yeah. yeah. Taxi biz is a hotbed for atheism, right? Like, I feel oh, like that's, that's accurate. Yes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So you drive by atheism. There's a lot of stuff you can do there. Well, and then we, we get him picking up someone as a cab driver, and, and this is a... I'm going to say 61-year-old woman who also was told to do rowdy and poisonous. She's wearing a big wedding veil headdress thing. Yeah. He says, at one point, I picked up a woman on her hen night and I couldn't control the poison. And I was like, is, it, is this guy about to like do a metaphor rape of a woman on her bachelorette party? What the fuck is happening in this movie? I don't know. I, so I, did, I didn't catch what he was saying enough to know that that's what was going on. So, okay. At least the Doesn't veil he, You didn't watch it 17 times, no right, illusion. Right. Doesn't he say one night I overdosed on the yes. poison? Yeah. So this is yep. the order of operations what? that confused me so much. He picks up the 340-year-old mummy bride. He says he couldn't <laughs> control the poison. He overdosed on poison. And then he met a girl who made him better. What does the movie think they meant by that in their meta? What is overdosing on? Yeah, they're like losing a, it like a child's grasp on a balloon. A bender of atheism. It's very confusing. Yeah. No, they, what the poison actually represents. So, okay, so the poison is supposed to represent sin in all its forms. But what happens then is that the metaphor starts to contradict itself. Right. Because poison is a thing you drink, but it's also a magazine you watch. And it's also a not believing in God that you have. Right. Yeah. So, OK. So but John got married one day and afterwards, after he got married, his wife found out how serious his poison addiction really was. That's when she found Eli's best worst, all his poison magazines. Yes, and these poison magazines are why they lost access to the printer because they very clearly just printed <laughs> the word poison 50 times and she hands him just a sheaf of paper and is like... And glued it to the top <laughs> magazine. Yes, yes. So, so we get, and then we get my best words, right? Where she confronts him in the hallway about his poison magazines. And he, like, they're doing the stupid fucking thing that people who can't act do, where like he doesn't have any lines and she doesn't have any lines, right? So, the, the, like, the, we, we don't hear what they're actually saying. We're just hearing the voiceover as this is happening. So, she, like, never gives him an opportunity to talk at any point in it as she just barks nothingness at him and then smacks the shit out of him. Beats the oh my God. She hits him, him way too hard in real a life. Lot. And yes, like, absolutely. And hey, everybody, John is not a I don't hit women type. So, there's a real danger in this for her. Yeah. This, it feels very uncomfortable for a minute there. Yeah. We're going to see a boxing match. But then he's like, but he comes over in, in the voiceover and he's like, and she was going to leave me because of all the poison, but I convinced her to stay and have a family with me instead. And I'm like, oh yeah, no, that's a great idea. I bet. Fucking I bet. yikes. 
Uh, unfriend on Facebook. Unfriend. And, and by the way, the, the, the message of this movie, of course, will be that she made the right decision. She stood by her poison addicted husband and had a kid with him, right? It all mm -hmm. works out for him because of that. Oh, God, that is the message. I didn't even notice what they were doing because the metaphor was so confusing. Okay. Right, right. So, yeah, so John drank spirit water for a while, but then he got back on the poison again. His wife got a call from the hospital. He'd overdosed on, again, it was magazines just a minute ago. What does this Mag mean? <laughs> the poison magazine Such got a two-for-one deal. It's unclear. He overdosed on pornography, perhaps? I I've done that. Okay, to be fair, that is a real <laughs> medical condition. Okay. <laughs> I love because they have the, like the couple like standing there telling us the like what happened reality TV style. And at one point he tries to snuggle her and she's like, oh, fuck you. Yeah, it's so <laughs> funny because that's very clear. The actor being like, you know, we are playing husband and wife. And she's like, you touch me again. I will cut off your ears. And he's like, yep, <laughs> no, you did mention that the first time we met. You did mention that you would cut off my ears. I was wondering if you'd evolved on that position, but you have not. <laughs> so yeah, but we see him being sick, recovering from his poison, her nursing him back to health. There's this great moment, right? Because bad actors don't know this. He's lying down and she's giving him the spirit water, English patient style. But you can't drink while you're lying down. So we right. watch this actor <laughs> almost drown. So He's good. like, whoa, 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 stop. <laughs> you're, you're spirit waterboarding me. And then John gives his life to God. And I'm like, have you stopped? Did, did, did the metaphor quit? The <laughs> metaphor is so good. Who the fuck could blame it? The movie was losing the movie to itself because they don't know what metaphors so are. Bad. And they panicked and they were like, um, enhanced interrogation techniques. We'll do that. We'll do fucking torture <laughs> and make him Christian. There you go. And then there you go. he converts to Christianity by Stockholm Syndrome is the final lesson of the movie. Yes. Is there, that's the lesson. Yeah, that's the takeaway. Yeah, he gives this monologue, most of which is drowned out by the fucking music, of course, about how he gave his life over to God. And then we get the Jesus quote, right? The water I give them takes away thirst altogether. It becomes a perpetual spring within, giving them eternal life. So they like dunked on their own metaphor. Oh, I guess you wouldn't have to drink it more than once, would you, if this was a metaphor for that? I don't know. I, I'm pretty sure the message of this movie is Bad is bad, but good, on the other hand, is good. Hold on. Let me write that down. I'm definitely really writing this down on, <laughs> yes. on my paper. All right. Well, now that Heath knows to avoid badness and choose goodness instead, I guess we can wrap up yet another God-awful mini. Before we wander back out on that road again, I want to remind everybody that you can pick up tickets to see us live in Orlando on March the 2nd. Be sure to check the show notes for a link to those tickets or just to go to godawfulmovieslive.com. Anyway, that's all the blast movie we've got for you tonight. We'll be back in 10,022 minutes with more. If you can't wait that long, be able to look out for a brand new episode of our sister show, The Skeptocrat, debuting at 7 Eastern on Monday, and even newer episode of our sister show's hot friend, Godawful Movies, debuting at 7 Eastern on Tuesday, and an even newer episode of our half sister show, Citation Needed, debuting at noon Eastern on Wednesday. Obviously, this episode wouldn't earn its number if I neglected to thank Heath Enright for being my buddy Eli Bosnick for being my pal and Lucinda Illusions for being my everything else. I also want to thank Drew from the Safety of Work podcast for providing this week's Farnsworth quote. Incidentally, if you want to know more about the science of what does and doesn't work when it comes to keeping people at your workplace safe, check the show notes. There's a whole fucking podcast about it out there, apparently. But most of all, of course, I want to thank this week's most salacious simians, 
David, Mark, Phil, Josh, Andrew, John, Kellen, Casey, Tiffany, Carrie, Dragonfly, Automatic, Bobcat, Julie, Superfriend, Jason, Robin, Dr. Frost, Dwayne, and Chorus. David, Mark, Phil, Josh, Andrew, and John, whose dicks are so big they need a spotter to safely masturbate. Kellen, Casey, Tiffany, Carrie, Dragonfly, Bobcat, and Julie, who the Hawaiian punch guy knows better than to fuck with. And super friend Jason, Robin, Dr. Frost, Dwayne, and Cures, whose eyes sparkle like diamonds, but ethically sourced ones. Together, these 19 notorious non-believers nudged our net worths northward this week by giving us money. Not everybody has the money it takes to give some of it away, but if you do, you can make a per-episode donation at patreon.com slash scathingatheist, whereby you'll only access to an extended ad-free version of every episode, or you can make a one-time donation by clicking on the donate button on the right side of the homepage at scathingatheist.com. And if you'd like to help, but you're plenty broke without any assistance from us, you can also help a ton by leaving a five-star review, telling a friend about the show, and following us on social media. And speaking of social media, Tim Robertson handles that for us. Additional writing for this episode was provided by Mike Schuster and Andrea Romano, and our audio engineer is Morgan Clark, who also wrote all the music that was used in this episode, which was used with permission. If you have questions, comments, or death threats, you'll find all the contact info on the contact page at scathingalias.com. You gotta squanch it. Squanch. The preceding podcast was a production of Puzzle and a Thunderstorm, LLC. Copyright 2022. All rights reserved.